playing the whole thing. I just wanna love her like any other. What do I get? I only wanna fend the state to the end. What do I get? What do I get? Oh, what do I get? What do I get? Welcome to episode number 118 of the Better Yet Podcast. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet, it's a long-form interview podcast featuring musicians talking about influence, talking about writing, and talking about being around. Beats are a little off there, but damn, Pete Shelley is gone, and it's a fucking bummer. When I got into punk, I've talked about this before, but I was lucky enough to have as good of a resource as one could ask for in my home, that being my dad. And like most people, when you're getting into it, you start at the beginning. And I think the obvious three are the Ramones, the Sex Pistols, and the Clash. But what came with having someone who was tapped into it as it was happening was not only copies of all those records there, but also someone who was saying here, this is also important. And the two bands that stand out in that part of the story are The Undertones 
and the Buzzcocks. And those two bands, you know, the Ramones, were open with their pop influence, but the Undertones and the Buzzcocks were two bands who just made distorted pop music. And being 13, 14, and liking Blink-182 and a lot of drive through records and vagrant bands, it was like finding the actual source of what I was investigating. This was the truest Rosetta Stone. But the Buzzcocks were so perfect then because they were also snotty. Hearing a song like Orgasmatic sitting around at home and that energy of something dirty and bored and then just the sheer number of absolutely perfect songs about love and heartache, songs that seemed antithetical to what punk was about but realizing that punk never had to be about anarchy or rioting more than anything it was about the feeling and the buzzcocks for me were the band that bridged that gap it was emotional music it was melodic and it had a spirit of doing it in the way that felt right and the way that felt pure punk music in a lot of ways can feel limiting and it may feel like an easy way to limit yourself to something that only sounds a certain way, but I always attach myself to things that had a certain feel. They come from the same spiritual place, and that goes for guitar music, hip-hop, jazz, but also film, literature, art. The bands that influence me and putting that together, it's a small group and the Buzzcocks are a part of it. Very sad to lose Pete. I'd invite anyone out there to start with singles going steady, but do not sleep on the LPs. Another music in a different kitchen, Love Bites, and a different kind of tension are three top-notch LPs that come out in the span of 18 months, and the growth that happens with this band is phenomenal. I don't think they're given the credit they deserve in that regard. Because as much as they're a first wave band of English punk, by 1979 they're also part of the first wave of post-punk. And you can feel the influence that they'd have on bands like The Cure, Joy Division in New Order, Devo, It's Palpable. They're a band that I think will always be the fourth or fifth band that gets mentioned when it comes to England in 1977. But for my money, it's The Clash and The Buzzcocks. Everyone else sits a tier below. Steve Hartlett, Vavlov, and Stove is on the show today. Also, Chloe is on my lap. That's where she's comfortable. That's where she's happy sitting these days. Steve, you may remember from episode 100 of this podcast when David Anthony asked me, who do you like to talk to? And I refer to Steve as my white whale. Well, I bag that baby this weekend, friends. Very excited to share this interview with you today, and this will be the last interview of the year. That was 2018. I'm going to take the rest of the year off to rest or rest when I can. It's looking to be a busy Christmas time, but I'm going to take that time that I can, read some Harry Potter, listen to all the records I've bought over the last few weeks. We'll be back in 2019 on the 2nd or the 9th. I haven't decided yet, but this has been a fun and interesting year for the show. A lot of things I am proud of. I think the episodes now are as good as they've ever been. I am extremely grateful for all the people who have come over to talk and shared parts of themselves with me. Thankful to be in this home with a loving and supportive partner and two dogs that I cherish. It was a great year in music this year. Uh, for me, a lot of eclectic absorption as far as music goes. I'll be doing a year-end wrap-up 
over on Patreon, and we'll be continuing to drop in some audio over there while we take a break from this. If you want to support the show, Patreon's a place to do it. Patreon.com slash Podcast. You can pledge a monthly amount, and that is the way that you can help me continue to do this. We're offering all sorts of bonus content on there, including a year-end episode where I'll be talking about my favorite records of the year. We've also got exclusive Chloe content on there, postcards, and coffee. Go on over to patreon.com slash Podcast. All right, finally, finally, he's done talking, and finally... Steve Hartlett of Avlov and Stove is on my podcast. I remember where I was. It was this time in 2013 when I posted my favorite records of the year on Facebook. My number one of that year was Jason Isbell's Southeastern, followed closely by that first Run the Jewels record. And Vince Aguilar dropped a comment that said, I think you like this. And that was a record called AM by a band called Avlov. And what started as a passive click on a link for something to listen to while I goofed off turned into something that made me drop everything, plugged my headphones in, and just laid in bed and listened to a record that did everything right. It was a time when bands were starting to lean heavy into shoegaze and grunge, but this was the record that set the standard in my mind of what everyone playing that type of rock music would have to live up to. And in my opinion, it has not been topped. I caught Avlov just at the time when they were really starting to spread their wings. They'd drop a couple splits in the coming months with songs that were even better than what was on AM, and then it got interesting. In 2015, the band broke up, then they called it a ruse, then they broke up for real, out of the ashes. Steve came with a new band, called Stove, and a record called Is Stupider, which was somehow even better than everything that preceded it. How are you doing, Chloe? And on top of that, a pair of very expansive EPs that were experimental, extremely exciting, and then Avlov got back together. Stove would continue. Here we are in 2018 with a new Avlov record called True and a new Stove record called Stove's Favorite Friend. It was 18 months ago when Steve and I started talking about doing an interview. I thought he was going to come over. He didn't. We tried again. Nope. But this time, here we are. An interview with one of my favorites, so let's get to it. We'll start with a song. This is Mosquito, followed by my interview with Steve Hartlett. I'm down for this part.
that they're interested. <laughs> yes. That's all I need anymore. And then maybe I can think what they think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I can I can react. I can uh, I can get mad. I can be like, oh man, you know what I hate? Politics. <laughs> uh, so it's it's very exciting though to have you because this is it's been a it's been a, a long strange trip i think between you and me oh I, yeah absolutely because i you know i've talked to a couple of your friends talked to uh rebecca and and sadie and hell yeah and i've you know told the story here and there of like i really want to get steve on and we were close one time and he said how about I just come by in the morning? And then I said, okay, great, sounds good. <laughs> and then, and this is the part where they finish the story for me, they say, he texted you at 2 p.m. from a different state saying, oh, Tim, I'm sorry. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I love this guy. Uh, yeah, they, they know me pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> I do intend on everything I agree to do, though. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think everything entirely through. Well, since we since we were just talking about getting old, uh, have you found yourself following through more as you as you get a little bit older? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think it's just more uh, making sure things are actually possible before I say yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. I used to just have the idea that I would say yes to as many. Everything that I uh, could be asked to do, and yeah, it and only think, just backfired. Was all right, <laughs> yeah, because I think that my um, my interpretation of of trying to get you on here was always I know that he wants to. Yeah, absolutely. I know that he wants to, and I'm not. I'm I'm certainly let down. <laughs> You've let me down a couple times, but I, that's okay. Because <laughs> I I knew that you meant it. I knew that you meant it in that moment. I'm glad. I appreciate you understanding at least. Uh-huh. <laughs> Certainly burned some bridges. Like uh, I had the same phone number for ten years, and then uh, just got a new one. And st- I think still, the, like two years ago, like I think still to this day, people are still texting that old number. And like this guy is like right. been blocking a lot of <laughs> my friends. It'll still run into them and be like, "Yo, I tried texting you, but uh, it says you blocked me." And I'm like, oh, like. I just forgot to tell you entirely. I have a new number. There's <laughs> a lot of important things. Unless somebody like that that you've been meaning to just cut off says that, <laughs> and just be like, "Yeah, I don't know. What do you yeah. want me to say here?" <laughs> well, that's all you got to do, and then you're free. Yeah, it's burned bridges uh, in both directions. <laughs> <laughs> so, where did you grow up? You grew up in Connecticut. Yep, yeah. Newtown. Lived there till I was like, till I was 18. And- so you're in Newtown. Yeah, yeah, Jeez. yeah, okay. yeah. Because I just talked to I just talked to Nina, and she was saying uh, where she was from, and I was like, "Oh, that's by that's by Newtown, isn't it?" And she's like, "Yeah, it's a small town, but now everybody knows it." Yeah, yeah, exactly. So Nina actually lives. So Chris, who's playing bass with Stove, uh-huh. uh, grew up in Newtown as well. Okay. He's like on the exact opposite. So Nina was even closer to me than Chris was being in another town. I'm like oh, right wow. on the border of where yeah. Nina's from. So, but. so you're you're the southwest part of, of Connecticut. So you're what's it take you to get into New York City? You're you're basically a suburb of of New York City. Yeah, yeah. And there's like uh, Metro North train stations, like in all the surrounding towns and things. Sure. Me, but like it's like. 
I think thir- 13 14 dollars to get to Grand Central from there and stuff and like okay. it's not too bad. It's yeah, like a 10 New York New York money. That's cheap. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. It's it's kind of surprising. It's 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 definitely cheaper than driving in by yourself and yeah. stuff, but Are your folks still there? Oh yeah, yeah. They'll be there indefinitely. Uh-huh. <laughs> what did, what did they do? Uh my father runs this like he has his own personal like media production company where he'll like go to like companies uh like quarterly meetings and like brought like film them and broadcast them to their other branches and, oh, and okay. stuff like depending on i don't know where they are and, and things yeah, like that yeah, but, yeah, uh, sure lots of different things he just like made like little commercials for small businesses and so just anything that requires a computer and a camera basically yeah <laughs> know, like, he got on it early and now he's now he's the dude yeah he's like one of those dudes that's just like got obsessed with computers when they came out and just kept like uh-huh. yeah yeah every time there's like some new thing about a computer or phone and he's really excited about it like still to this day <laughs> just like, uh-huh. this, I, like I, I can imagine like getting to see it from the start would be a lot i'd appreciate it more at least rather than just sure. being like born computers being there you know uh-huh. what i mean like yeah yeah i don't know they don't really see the value of it as much <laughs> i don't know you're you're kind of you're kind of you you go your own path as far as technology goes is uh, what it seems like yeah i'm just not as excited about it as my right. dad is as yeah. well. <laughs> what about your mom my mom um moved to connecticut from costa rica when she was 11 with her family and oh, okay. uh so yeah she uh, stopped speaking spanish and started tra- learning english like uh-huh. just by going to school and yeah. stuff and uh i guess met my dad and when she was like 25 or 26 or so uh-huh yeah they were like working in the same building at different companies okay yeah you get along with them yeah yeah absolutely i mean like yeah uh-huh. as, as good as you can i think sure <laughs> sure and th- there's a lot of there's a lot of kids right oh yeah it's, at least it's, there's a lot of kids that play on off love records yeah it's it's crazy i have an older brother an older sister a younger brother a younger sister uh-huh yeah yeah. Right in the middle of five, yeah. What was, uh, uh, was there music in the house? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my f- my father and his father and his uh-huh. father, they all have always played and wrote music and stuff. And, oh, cool. Uh, I think, yeah, I started playing when I was like eight or so. And wow. Early my, on. Yeah, you, my you brothers, like, we all started playing at like the same time. Right, much. right, right. So what was, uh, like, what were, what were your parents playing then, like, music-wise? Oh, yeah. well, I guess I should say, yeah, my mom never really played anything, but like uh-huh. my, my father was mainly a pianist and saxophone player, but he also guitar, like he taught me all my first chords and things like that. Uh huh. Like, did they, but I mean, did they listen to music? Did they, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah like were course. you exposed to? That was what's kind of, I always wondered what they listened to before, like my parents are also like born again Christians. So like growing up, we oh, okay. only sure. like, I think the only bands that we knew of like weren't like Christian rock bands were like the Beatles and Earth, Wind and Fire. Those were like, wow. that was it really. That, the, that, those Earth, Wind and Fire were like my parents' collective favorite band. Uh-huh. Like they would go and see them like every time they were around. So what, what, what type of, uh, I guess sect of, of Christianity was it? Uh, I've, I never really, I, I think I get this right. I think it's technically like evangelistic, like pro like the crazy, like God mall, like, Big church trying to reel people in with yeah. every like we're cool we're hip 
uh-huh austin <laughs> style yeah. right did yeah. they have a rock band that played there oh my god they had <laughs> they had this like separate like sunday night service called uh-huh. core and it was yeah. like the like youth like edgy version where they so and you're you're 20 so you're growing up mm-hmm. you're growing up and you have to think that like under oath is <laughs> is that a band awesome. that you're like hey this is uh, this is Christian. By the time they were out, I w- was already like getting snuck things. Like, oh, okay, <laughs> like, sure. so, like I, I was kind of like I was totally into them, but uh, I think yeah, I was able to like see the I don't know the corny aspects of right. it. I guess sure. I don't know. So what was the what was the music then that you were getting that was uh, the non or is it secular? It's secular music, yeah, right? So that's uh-huh. what my parents uh-huh. would call it. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Secular. Like what, what what rock music were you getting into? Were you getting into punk early on? Okay, yeah. So third grade, I think the first two like CDs I was snuck were it was uh, Blink One Eighty Two album. Uh, oh, the Enema of the State. Enema right? of the State. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, exactly. Because that came yeah. out around then, and then Eminem's album that came out around then too. Oh shit! Your parents. Was, they ever okay. heard that? Yeah, it's great. Okay, the the way they found out that I was listening to it was like really kind of fucked up. It was my friend wrote me down the lyrics to the song where it's like, "Hi kids, you like violence? Uh-huh. You want to stick down and shit?" They just found those written out by like some kid in my pocket. And yeah, <laughs> like they're like, "What is this?" Like uh-huh. they weren't able to like search the lyrics or something. <laughs> I was always lis- able to listen to like whatever I want, but when it came to like extremely explicit things. That was a problem. And yeah. how, are you familiar with CKY2K? Oh, hell yeah. I wrote down the lyrics to uh, Brandon's Freestyle that's in CKY2K, <laughs> oh, and my mom found it, and she flipped out. Yeah, and I remember was... her like coming in when I'm writing it down, and then I'm just like... I'm going to go to hide it. And then she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, stand up straight, like nothing. And then I tried to move it with my foot. And then she looks down and she's like, I think the first thing that she said, she just like looks down and she's like, little ass dick. And I was like, ah. That one actually might be worse to find than them. Yeah, so I always thought that was like yeah. like maybe pretty traumatizing to find, but that one uh-huh. was like would be a lot more like raunchy, right? So you're and and you're but you're playing music too, so it's got to be. It, I think mm-hmm. it's got to be nice to to find guitar music that is a little bit off of. I'm sure that you're playing a lot of just like kind of standard chords. Yeah, when you're playing growing up playing like christian music yeah i mean it was it was strange it was like okay well, yes yeah, so we also didn't have cable for a good chunk of those years like but we had this like one <laughs> uh christian rock music video channel well it was like mtv but christian rock and like yeah. there was like kind of like a christian version of 311 there's a christian version of like every like yeah, popular sure. band of the time and stuff so it was weird. like they like would like feel like these labels would like see what was popular and then like create an emulation of it or something like Wild. so yeah i feel like i we like still were able to learn enough musically from a lot of those bands and things like my brothers and i and stuff like uh like there's this one band that we the three of us i think that was our fa- our favorite band uh together like uh-huh. the, the one that we all three liked the most like uh equally but uh it was called noggin toboggan and there wasn't really any any hint to the only reason we knew about them was because they didn't swear i think they just like maybe were i don't know why they were on a christian rock label i think just because they were clean and stuff but 
they had like a lot of like like Broadway like melodies. They were just very oh, yeah, like yeah, I don't yeah. know. Like really, we really loved their songwriting and melodies and things. I think they had a huge. Well, that makes sense because like you you listen to. Uh, music like show tunes music like that mm-hmm. and it's always like man these are just like really pretty things that are happening but there's always like the weirdest chords and yeah progressions that are going on in there it's really strange like i never like my grandfather actually always would like set up in his pa and play accordion at like all family parties and stuff that he was at and like uh-huh. always played broadway music and i think that was like show show tunes and musicals and things like that i think that just kind of sunk in for all of us. Because I think a, a big thing that kind of marks your playing is that you, I, I always like, I'm glad that I saw you last night because I'm always reminded of the fact that you play like so many different chords, different types of, uh, you know, diminished augmented chords. And, oh, yeah. uh, and there's there's that aspect to it. And then there's, there's the solos. So, you know, at, at what point do you start saying like, oh man, I, I really want to uh, shred, if you will. Hmm. For me, like in when my favorite songs with my favorite solos and things, it feels like the point in the song where like uh, you want to keep singing, but you have nothing else to say. And right. Like then you can also like uh, I'm able to sing better with a guitar than I am with my own voice. I think so. I don't know. Did you like, when you started of love? Um, was there? Did you want to sing? Did I read somewhere that you had a different singer in mind? And, yeah. Uh huh. No. Yeah. I was not to be the singer. Um, I started it with two other friends of mine from Newtown and uh, for the, yeah, those first five songs, my friend Quentin and I just wrote instrumentally and they were just instrumentals for like a year or so. And we had our friend Dini uh-huh. who owned the Volvo that we called Avlov and like uh-huh. he named the band. He did named all the first five songs and everything like he, and uh, so I'm your Dini was the first song I tried writing lyrics for and uh-huh. just wrote like a That's sentence Dini. over. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. he was just, yeah, he's one of our best friends ever, and we just always wanted to see him, like, front to band because he's just a wild person. Uh-huh. Uh, we just uh, yeah. he would be an awesome front guy for a band, and he just never got around, around to writing. Right, <laughs> so, just... so that's, that's kind of funny because you're sitting around, what, with you got five songs that you're just playing instrumentally, and you're just kind of... Right. It seems like that's kind of, that kind of is a, a good way to maybe look at the first few years yeah, because you're kind of working at your own pace, really, before totally. AM comes out. Yeah, and I'd never really written with another person that well or at yeah. all before that, too. So it was uh-huh. kind of cool. Like, Quentin had only played in, like, power metal and, like, death metal bands and right. stuff. And, like, I'd only played in, like, emo pop rock bands before. So it was a cool, like... We both discovered Pixies and Dinosaur Jr. and Pavement and Pinback this, right. this year, and then we're like, "Oh, let's." So you trying to like write, yeah, write like, songs like in that exactly sort of like vein. He would help them be like musically heavier and uh huh. Yeah, I just can't really sing any other way, so it just made it like, right. So it's just like, well, I guess I'll sing, and it's it's funny because I think that you have a really good way of um, working with your voice and the way that it sounds and you know maybe uh probably what you would consider the weaknesses of it but you have a way to to strain it in a certain way that's just become very trademark damn thank you is that just that's just kind of working into it and getting comfortable in it yeah i mean i the bands i played in high school and things like that beforehand i sang for but uh i don't know i never liked my voice personally but i feel like the way uh 
I just like you grow into it, right? Yeah, it did, like I didn't really ever get to like. Um, yeah, but by the point that I was writing words for the Avlov songs, like we had or, like not really cared about the song, so I wasn't like thinking so much about it. It was really just like, oh, just think of a melody and uh-huh. write uh, whatever words over it, kind of right. thing. Right, like, and they ended up meaning a lot more than I thought. And then because it was just kind of like like some of them I would just like whistle over the instrumentals mm-hmm. and be like those would become the melodies. And yeah, and then and then soloing factors in there too because it's like, all right, now I can. I can drop this thing that is uh, going to be louder than everything else, and it's going to be expressive. Right. With like, I one of the things I like about the way that you solo is that it's not it's not necessarily like you playing a whole lot of notes. It's about the way the solo enters into the to the piece and the and the tone of it. That's kind of. I think people when they when they want to play guitar solos they want to do as many things as they can and yours have a really interesting tone to them. That that means a lot to hear. There's like, do you know uh, the Marked Men? Oh yeah. yeah, there's, yeah. I don't remember what song it's on. The album's like Fix My Brain. Uh huh. That. But yeah. Uh, there's just one song where he just holds one note for the solo and just like always gives me chills for some reason. I don't know why. There's just something about that. Lemonheads do it in a couple songs. Yeah. And stuff and like, and I feel like there's the the Neil Young like, yeah. one-note guitar Absolutely, solo yeah, where yeah. it's just like he just plays it with such a ferocity that it just jumps out at you. Yeah, it's it's strange. It's like, I don't know, you can find that uh, that one that is the f- the feeling. Yeah, uh, is it is so? And there's got to be a lot of just like I guess discovery as you're doing it too, because I think a lot of that has to do with the way that you're interacting with your pedals, with your amp, and and you know the things that are happening in between that exchange. Mm-hmm. Is it a lot of just like I'm gonna do it and make it happen and make it my own? Yeah, yeah, but like fifth, I'd say like half and half there. Like all the stuff I use is either what I could afford at the time or just what was I came across at the time. That little like, tube screamer there. That's a fairly new thing I've been using. It's uh, uh my girlfriend gave it to me like a, a year ago or so. It's just this like so I've always only used this really shitty solid state head for some reason. I really like the way it makes all my pedal sound and things, and like mm-hmm. I can never quite get tube amps to sound that way but for some reason that little pedal if you like turn it off essentially like every all the settings like all, as low as it could go and it's just on it kind of sounds like the clean tone of my solid state amp so oh, like, interesting i mean that makes pe- the, the pedals like sound like my shittier amp yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, so yeah it's really strange but then so i have two of those little ones one of which is broken so i wasn't able to bring i use one for just a clean tone and then the uh-huh. other for like First solo, it's basically yeah. it's just a great boost as well. It's just like, how so, everything kind of comes in. Yeah, it's crazy. It makes it's super loud. It's really funny because like the big muff is just the main distortion, and I have that, and it's like seven times the size of this little one that is uh-huh. significantly louder. Yeah. It's like, when does I guess Avlov when you when you actually start playing shows when you decide to put words to it? Is Theo in the picture at this point? Is Theo playing drums with you? Yeah, that's like always been kind of different like um for the most part i will either demo them and like send them to the other three and and like say really only pay attention to the one guitar part in the vocals and you know do whatever Mm -hmm. else you want over them and stuff but like i guess 
for true a lot of those songs we were able to actually like flesh out together for the first time which was not the case with like am yeah. or anything previous to it was like uh-huh. like true punk the song in particular i know morgan helped me structure a great deal like cause that was just like just riffs and i don't know right for the most part but Go, going back going back though when you're like i guess just starting to to play out um is you are you mostly in like connecticut during the ep days or are you starting to branch out into like New oh York, yeah boston i've only been in new york since like march or so like i've yeah. been going and hanging out there for like over right. 10 years and stuff but i've but, been in connecticut up until then yeah but was avlov like i guess was avlov like playing locally was avlov like a band that people were stoked on in connecticut He's, I, I've never really felt like anyone in Connecticut in particular was stoked about Avlov. <laughs> I don't know why. Like I like because I feel like most of what we did was once my hometown friends had gone to school in like Boston or New York. So like most of when we played would be going to visit them on the weekend and then because uh-huh. Connecticut's just never been a good place for bands to play in in general. Like it's not that it hasn't been. It's not the best because most bands if they're on tour can just drive an extra hour and go to either Boston or New York, there's not really the great, right. a great reason to stop there unless, like, someone's offering you a bunch of money or something. Uh-huh. I don't know. Uh-huh. So it's it's kind of always just been hanging on by this thread that people are very dedicated to uh, maintaining, you know? Like, when does which, that, I guess when does that start? Because, I mean, you got... I mean, Sadie's present on What's So Great About the City. Ah, uh, so, yeah. So... That was actually... I met Sadie... So in, I guess right when Avlov started, I was also playing bass in this punk band called Guilty Faces. Okay. Only for like a year or so. But um, the guitarist of that band happened to see Sadie's uh, older band Quilty play yeah. at a venue in Connecticut. Like, um, And their bass player had just like quit that show. And my so my friend was playing guitar and the band that I was in just like was like, I could play bass with y'all. And then sure. he started playing bass with Quilty and then met him through met them through him and yeah just been friends ever since they were they were our first like new york friends at least right sort of been like they booked our first new york shows and when does uh when does exploding in sound and and dan come into all of it but i probably within the that same year i, I met dan the first time i went to shea stadium mm-hmm. to see uh ben ringo death star it was like my first oh, time yeah. seeing them there and uh that's of, a good man. Are they the still, are they still doing life. it? Yeah. Oh yeah, hell yeah, yeah. yeah. They're actually. Re- just very I think they're recording a new it. album yeah. right now. Elliot the uh, just had a, uh, a son, I think. Wow. Recently, so yeah. I think they're not going to be touring as much, but they're definitely wow. still going to be writing, recording. They they so. haven't made a bad thing. No. Yeah. They they have not. <laughs> That's so, a good point. <laughs> so so you go um and and you make you make AM and it's it's you and 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 Theo. Mm-hmm and john right and i guess what i was trying to to touch on a little bit earlier is is you and and theo theo's here and then he's not and then he's here again right what's the uh what's the dynamic like i guess that's kind of funny to think about actually so theo was like 15 14 or 15 when we recorded the first dp he was uh-huh. actually grounded that day and i had to like beg my parents to let him go <laughs> and record those <laughs> and uh I don't know what really happened with that. Why Theo stopped playing, really? I guess soon after he went to Boston was probably why. Uh Uh-huh. Because he went to Berkeley. Oh, okay. He's just been there since. Yeah. uh, 
And Michael, yeah, so, yeah, Theo played on the first EP. Can't really remember what. It was probably just some stupid brother fight, if anything. I don't know. Does that <laughs> like happen a lot? Oh, yeah. I think uh-huh. <laughs> Not in a long time. It did back yeah. then, for sure. <laughs> so, yeah. uh-huh. But uh, I don't know. Who's, it is. I really have no way of remembering sure. at this point. Sure. It's so stupid how many times we've, uh, quote, broken up, you know? Like, uh-huh. one, one of those times was, like, soon after the CD EP, and that's why, like, and then... While we I were, love broke up then. Yeah, like uh-huh. before and while we were broken up, Michael started playing with Sadie and was, Speedy was just the two of them for uh-huh. a while. And then is this Michael uh, Falcone. Thomas? Mike Falcone, sorry, oh, okay. he plays yeah. drums in the Speedy, and he oh, was okay. like, sure, he played drums on the City EP. Uh-huh. Like, um, I get yeah. So that, then we broke up, and we just Speedy just like grew very fast. So and then like uh, when we just started. We just booked another show and then just kind of they just Theo just was playing with us. There was yeah. no real like, and then Michael would still play with it. It was like right. no one was of, official. Is this <laughs> is like, this good with you or is this just like this is how it's? I happening? loved it honestly. I, yeah. I thought it was a lot of fun, but it did just get to a point where it was like the more and more we did, then it was like everyone wanted to do everything. So it was like like some like. I don't know. This is you over. This is you wanting to do everything, right? <laughs> saying you'll do everything. Yeah, exactly, uh-huh. exactly. And if I, if it were up to me, I would just have seventeen people playing on stage. I think that'd be hilarious and fun. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, the polyphonic stove. <laughs> so, so exploding the sound puts out AM. You made that with uh, Michael Thomas, mm-hmm. who's recorded pretty much everything for you since. Yeah. Um, well, for Avlov stoves. Uh, Nick Dooley's recorded everything. Sure. For most of it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, good. You're good. Um, I love though how absurdly loud the the guitars are on that record. Hell yeah! It's I... so fucking fun. To me. <laughs> we also like mastered it absurdly loud. True, in particular. Yeah. We're, like we're trying to find like the loudest uh, albums there are on Spotify, and so I think the ones we found were like a, a Deftones one and one of the Foo Fighters ones. Uh huh. So we were going to put louder than uh, Foo Fighters on the there as, you as go. a sticker on the cover. We never did that. <laughs> when when AM drops though, it's at this time when shoegaze and the mid '90s are hot. Yeah, but like this was a record that didn't really commit to any of those things the way other people seem to be intended on committing to. Yeah, I think. I was a little more into Dinosaur Jr. than when everyone else was yeah. into My Bloody Valentine, which right. I like I now and feel like, like I'm going that friends. direction. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. well, yeah, they're just I like really it's... more similar. Than I th- I think I've the only reason I found out about the the two of them was because my favorite band like growing up was this band from Denmark called Mew, and their biggest influence is wild. There, I couldn't I I wouldn't say I like the past couple albums, but like the first five or some of my favorite albums ever yeah like, like that's actually them right oh there. Yeah. cool but um oh there's a tattoo yeah uh-huh. <laughs> i forget there's no video here but yeah. um what was they saying so yeah their like biggest influences were dinosaur jr and my bloody valentine like it's just, yeah, i can see like where all their melodies come from and stuff they're right. very beautiful uh-huh. <laughs> um but you're but, but but back in like you know am days i think that that record stands out because it's it's like what's happening at that time but it's it's also not it's not like a full commitment into into one thing and it's also like 
it's not at all self-serious. And I think that that really made it important for a lot of people. Damn. Well, I guess, yeah. I, well, how, that mean, thank you, first of all. That, that really, that means I'm going to compliment here. you a lot. It's just how it, it's, <laughs> it's just how it goes. I want you, to, I want you to, to tell me things, and I want you to feel good the whole time. I, I appreciate it. So... Given we were kind of a, an unstable uh, a group of friends, like not knowing like the status of the band all the time, <laughs> kind of just made us not take it ever ever have to take anything too seriously. I think yeah. when we were recording Am, the original plan was to have it be two separate EPs because Theo drummed on half and I did, and I just felt like it was like too weird trying to mix the two. Like uh-huh. it, it just like it was very obvious to me when I was drumming and when he was, but like right. a lot of. I don't know. It's only obvious to you and whoever else. Knew yeah, that. like most uh-huh. people won't otherwise. And like, there's yeah, a lot of things that we could have taken seriously or like really thought about that we didn't. And I, uh, I think we were luckily lucky to have uh, had that mindset at the time. But then it made creating true a lot more difficult for me because there's a lot more things I felt like we had to like live up to and right there's expectations like yeah, with a follow-up record yeah I've never actually done a second album with any band I've ever been in in my life and just, now you I just think. made two of them <laughs> oh my <laughs> god you must have had a great 2017 it was very it was a bit of a, a panic stressful. attack for a while <laughs> yeah for sure it was, it's really weird just because I kind of felt like every time I got to the point of a second album. It was like, well, this doesn't even feel like the same band or even sound like the same band to me. Uh-huh. And I was just like, shit, might as well just make a new band in my yeah. mind. But Well, but. it's interesting, I think, because um, that's probably why the Stove record worked really well. It's because yeah. it wasn't a follow-up to AM. It was just your next thing. Hell yeah. Thank you. That, that A lot of people say otherwise i appreciate that like it feels like oh <laughs> there's a lot of people who just say it's like call it the second album of album as like a possibly a joke or something but like i mean it was part of it was intended to be that way but that's also it was like this just doesn't this is not what quentin and i intended avlov to be at least you know what I mean? right well quentin's not even here no nah, so but he, what are you what are you gonna worry about quentin he's like his his opinion still very much matters to sure, me there sure. with, with all that. Like, uh, do you think? Do you think that there's always this interesting, I think, dynamic with not being self serious? Because if you're not, uh, if you're not self serious, if you're able to to joke around a little bit, then that means that you don't have to fully invest in the uh, the idea that people might not like it yeah absolutely yeah exactly like it, w- it won't matter as, as much i i guess that's kind of it's also something i've been i i've thought of as a problem kind of because it feel, i feel like it's like it's uh do you, do you listen to fat, fat or bad history month at all oh, like a lot God, of like yeah. his lines about like yeah. you know fear making his life small really uh-huh. is one of the most uh relevant lyrics for me just feel like there's a lot of things like i like I like to seem like I don't care, but I, uh, I think that's part of me playing it safe <laughs> in a right. way, you know, like, cause right. I'm for a long time, I was like too afraid to even like send something to pitch for Cause I was so afraid of like being like torn apart and like, sure. like, I, like would love to act like that shit doesn't matter to me <laughs> stuff. Yeah, but, but like, it, does. it really, unfortunately does. It's just weird. It's just why like, why else? I mean, like, well, just because 
I don't. I just would not. I would rather not worry about what anyone. They would then creating would be a lot more genuine for me. Like if, there, if there's another no other aspects of like. I mean, but then at the, at the same time, it's like then why even release it or show it to people? Like you're, that's why we're exactly. doing this. I don't you know. want you <laughs> want people to hear. It. You're you've got you've got enough in you to to go uh, up in front of people, right? Uh, multiple nights in a row, and saying. Listen to what I've got to say. Yeah, it's like why limit that? I don't know. There's a lot more. There's a lot more we could and should have done. Maybe I wouldn't say I regret any of this path, but you right, know, like is that? It was a learning process for sure. <laughs> you know, I think like this. Uh, the stove album feels like the the the, the point in my, my uh, music life. I've been trying to get to the new one. Yes. Yes. The newest one. Yeah. Favorite friends. Like, would certainly agree with that. Oh yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, but I think that one of the benefits to to listening to someone who is a little self-effacing and is not taking things seriously is that you listen to something that you're you're aware of the fact that this person is writing for them, mm-hmm. and I think people are afraid to follow that instinct in a lot of ways i look at you follow a song like moth rock with a song like there's my dinny and it's like there there are people who would just completely stomp out that idea if it ever came because it's just like no we just had this really like emotional experience and i don't want to do anything silly to follow that yeah it is really strange that was part of why i wanted to like separate a lot of those songs i felt like this sounds like two different bands to me but then like it kind of worked in our favor to line them up like right. together. <laughs> so when when you're when you release that and people like it, is it weird? Um, because you you you're yeah. also probably tackling the idea that like I don't want to care if people like it, but people like it, and some people really like it. Yeah, it's almost like you want to know why they like it. It's like if they uh-huh. <laughs> like a, if people are liking things for the right reasons. Uh, then it, it feels great. But if it's misunderstood, kind of, it can just be embarrassing or something. Like last night uh, when Dave was yelling, play the well, love, love song at a stove uh-huh. show, I was like, I had no idea who was yelling it. And I was like, this is either really funny or really shitty. And I can't like, <laughs> I won't be able to laugh at it until I know who's saying it. And once Dave told me it was him, I was like, oh, that's hilarious. Right, like yeah. That's why he was saying it and stuff. So I guess like, you know, at this juncture, now that both bands are, are back and fully functioning is... Do you feel like you need to keep a separation for your own sake? I don't, it doesn't feel like a, a need. It just like, just does, just, just feels awkward to kind of try and do one with the other or something. Just like, yeah, they've both become entirely different bands for me. I know they certainly have to sound very similar like that's just inevitable right given like i'm singing you got both the, yeah you're singing thing. them and you got that you got that same uh, guitar setup right exactly yeah so it's not like people aren't wrong in uh lumping them together in any way or something right. like that but uh yeah it's like it's such like small like subtle things that uh for me that uh where the differences lie and things is like because it's almost like I think that you managed both very well, but as we got into the stove releases and those EPs, like the fact that Avlov was coming back, 
it honestly it worried me a little bit because I saw the path that you were taking and I was like this is expanding outward in some very exciting ways and I love Avlov but I don't I hope that he doesn't inhibit what he's exploring here right yeah that would have been very awkward for Avlov in particular that's kind of why I felt like stove needed to be a separate thing it was just like like, I could never imagine there being a synth on an Avlov song. Right. Like, it was just, so it was just like, I was writing songs that were just kind of going in a, in a bit of a fork. Yeah. And, yeah, so, like, yeah, it felt like, I, I, I feel weird when I hear a band come, who has a very distinct sound, as uh, I, one may say that we do, like, to, like, change that in any, any kind of way, because it's like... I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say that the the, the song the songwriting is definitely different, but aesthetically, it it feels like the same. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, like. But like, they it, they kind of take different paths to yeah. getting there. One is able to go in a in a direction that the other one wouldn't have been able to. Right. And that's like. I feel like you get fulfillment out of being able to do both. No. That helps you. Definitely. Yeah. Like trying to make it all work for one project was just a little too uh, limiting. You yeah. Know? Like just feeling like stove, I think was all the songs I would have otherwise just thrown away and been like, well, why don't I just release them and see, uh-huh. you know, maybe, I don't know, people still like these, whether or yeah. not I feel like it sounds like an envelope song, I can just not be one. <laughs> I don't know. Um, before we get there, you know, you have, you have a record that a lot of people really like in AM and the small releases that follow have some of the best Avlov songs. And I guess I just, I wonder, um, and you don't have to answer this, but is there interest from people, uh, a little bit bigger than an exploding in sound? I'm thinking level up science to sub pop, speedy Ortiz science to car park. Avlov to me is like, so in line for, you know, taking a, a step in that direction. Nobody ever really hit us up. I, f- I feel like it seems to me like that just doesn't happen anymore. Like labels are a little too big headed to do that. <laughs> like they want to be asked to, yeah. to be worked with rather than, I don't know. I, it's, it's strange. Um, I'd never really wanted to work with anyone other than Dan, just given he's, one of my best friends and like I, right. I just feel weird about working with people i don't know personally because it's like this is as personal as it can get as far as like yeah. the thing as i do like yeah uh, so it'd be weird to uh, trust someone with it i don't know it's like hiring a babysitter without even meeting them or something. I don't know. Yeah. Kind of like, like, yeah you when that. you could just get your, your older brother to do it <laughs> yeah, exactly. and and you know that you know how much your kids like get excited when he comes over. <laughs> exactly. And and it's like it's you know, there's the like uh there's the side of it that's like Dan would not be upset with you if, if somebody uh was able to to do something more for you, but still it's you'd rather keep it I think this is still part of that protectiveness. Yeah, and he's also the only person in the world that I would think let would let us be the band that we've been. You know, as right. far as just like the 
the nonchalantness that we were talking about kind of just sure like, like we're really able to do whatever we want whenever we want and that's not would not be the case with like all my f- friends that have signed to bigger labels and things like that it's taken over their entire life and i kind of feel like some of them have even just become this persona of like you know they like their name has become like a character and even their mind you know what i mean it's like it's, yeah. it's really strange it's like i just could never i mean you've heard me try to talk to the crowd i don't i don't uh-huh. i don't have that like uh there's like a performative yeah. aspect that that just enters into your especially when you you know you live a a life that is sort of public yes yeah. and i guess I, I, I feel like i just was like sounding like I was talking sh- shit about these people. I don't people. think you were. No, it's like just something I really I env- anybody, envy about yeah. these friends of mine. I think I really respect about them that they're able to do like, that's one of the things is like, it's kind of very selfless about it for that. Like they are able to be this person for this massive people mm-hmm. like that. They're, they're helping rather than just like, me being like, oh, I'm uncomfortable right now. Is that how you feel <laughs> about it? That you're, it's, it's are just, you, are you like, do you wish you could sometimes? I, I do wish I could because it's like, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like, I, I don't know, actually. It's hard to say. I'll go back and forth on that all the time. Right. Like with, a, with a, what, how I feel about that sort of thing. Cause I've never really got like gotten to full on do it to say you know what i mean so you can't really knock it till you try it sort of thing you know (laughs) like uh uh, but i don't know yeah i've just never felt like i had like i wouldn't be able to be the person a bigger label needed for me to be and dan is uh one of my best friends and lets me just be myself and Mm -hmm. it's yeah i guess i've I've, we've done i personally felt like we've done everything i could have ever dreamt of doing so it's kind of weird like for for us to do any more than we do or have done almost almost feel greedy to me personally. I don't know. Yeah. Like just like, yeah, there's, there's gratitude in that. I think. No, absolutely. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like, yeah, we've, we've done a lot. 14 year old me would be very proud. <laughs> so walk me through this. You announced that you're breaking up. Oh, oh yeah. Which time? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the time that, um, uh, you say it, and then you tell everyone that they got punked. Oh God, yeah. And that I'm assuming that wasn't planned. No, that, that is that another brother fight. Uh what did happen there? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm not sure if John was still playing with us at the time. Well, Boner was Boner definitely was. Okay. playing with you at that time, which was like I was telling him last night. I was like, I was like, man, Avlov broke up. It was like such a bummer and then when i saw stove for the first time i saw you were there and i was like good that is a good thing that came out of all of this because he, oh, yeah. he's been around since uh for a while now. oh yeah yeah he, he's he's uh he seems like he's able to roll with things definitely he's my, one of my favorite people to play music with and hang out with in general right and it's just like uh yeah he, i've known him since high school or so he played synth in my uh high school band yeah, so the you you allude to having a lot of songs. Is that as a lot of that is stupider? Is it is stupider completely? You have there and and ready to go. Um, or does it come like in the wake of it? I think 
Okay, yeah, let's see. I think, like, four or five of them we had already been playing with Avlov, like, at shows and things. Uh-huh. And then, like, I think the other half I'd written within, like, the months between breaking up and recording. You make this thing. It, it, it's called Stove. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, Stove, Steve. The record <laughs> is called Is Stupider. Right. Steve is Stupider. <laughs> First con- song, Stupider. Second song, Stupid. The third song, you're singing about a Steve... But that was your cat. Right. Which I love it. You, you got a cat name. And you know what? I read that. And I will tell you what. One of the greatest gifts that your music has given to me, every time I hear that song, I think about this dog down here. I think about her. Oh, yeah. I, I remember listening to that, and she was uh, running through a park and she was so happy and that's what i see every time slow motion chloe running whenever i hear wet food (laughs) that's really beautiful but it's it's a pretty easy assumption for one to make to say uh all right well maybe some of this has to do with uh the fact that avlov just broke up someone's getting you're a little hard on yourself on that record oh yeah it um yeah the song Dumb boy is like an, entirely about just that year, really. Of like, um, like what the fuck am I doing? Kind of thing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, does it kind of like does it roll? Is it is it that you're, I guess, unable to kind of keep everything on track as Avlov is kind of ascending, if you will. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain, I guess. I mean, not even really. It's just like, yeah, I feel like it's stupider. It was like a very like defensive record kind of in yeah. a way. Like it was just like, I, I don't know. I kind of re- regret a bit about it just in that. I don't know. Was it was before I'd realized that I wanted to do two separate bands. Right. So it was like still trying to make what, stove is now and what Avlov was be one band but like it just it feels like a very awkward um like it's almost schizophrenic album to me you know what I mean like where it's just like I don't think I knew what I wanted in many many aspects of life in general Mm -hmm. (laughs) like uh was it yeah I'd just broken up with someone I was with for like seven years oh wow and like uh yeah bunch of bunch of things it's that's interesting to hear because there's no, I don't, you, you call it defensive, but I don't, I don't see it as defensive. I, I see it as, as you kind of, you're by yourself and you're like, well, I only got one person to blame for all this. Yeah, I guess, yeah, defensive is not the best word to use. More just like, uh, yeah, I got to do what I can kind of thing. Bring, bring me in a little bit on making that. Is it fitful? Is it therapeutic? Are you are you in there like, you know, banging the drums and being like, I'll show them? Or it honestly, no, it wasn't. I don't think there was any. There's no like anger, but like between us at any point. Like any yeah. of the times we broke up, it was more like me quitting than the band breaking up. Being like, uh-huh. I, I I don't know. In a lot of ways, I felt like I had held the rest. Of, like back like just from I don't know 
huge drinking problem. And it was like for me, like it did like shows in particular, I'd say the three times we broke up were for me, just being a drunken idiot in some way. And then uh-huh. like, I don't know, just them having to kind of like stick up for me for too long in situations where they shouldn't have had to, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just like, I don't know. That's tough. Cause you know that it's not their job. Right. But you're not in control enough to not put it on them. Right. And they just feel like they they put up with a lot more than they ever should have had <laughs> to, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. So it was like, sorry, I guess I, I tried. It's okay. You know, I, like, okay. I, don't know, I got off, uh, off Are track you, there, but... um, you know, I don't, I don't drink. I quit drinking like five years ago. Hell yeah. That's um, great. How is it? We don't have to dive too deep. But no, it's all good. I mean, like, are you, th- you think you're doing better with it? No, oh, ab- absolutely. That's yeah. uh, kind of why I think we've been d- doing better as a band than we ever have. This is like part of why uh, touring is hard for me in particular is just because that's like, I have no problem not drinking when I'm home. You know what I mean? It's just as soon as I'm at a venue or it's just like mm-hmm. just being there is one of the it's stressful as fuck. Like, yeah. I don't, it's really dude. I, I tell you like, what, I didn't watch Monica's set last night because I watched, I watched, uh, I watched two sets and then I needed to go exactly. for a walk. Right, like four bands is a lot of music to watch. Yeah. <laughs> one day. and then also be surrounded by that many people in that small of a room. Like, mm-hmm. it's stressful. It's yeah. weird how like, and I feel like that's why alcohol is such a part of shows is because. <laughs> Because yeah, otherwise no one would go. <laughs> uh, but you do get like this is you, you are able to make the things that you wanted to make that you wanted Avlov to be making, but you weren't sure how to do it. Once you make that record, um, are you thinking like, okay, I should this should be a band that I tour with. This should be a band that I write with. Yeah, I mean. It's it's interesting that like we've all kind of come to this point in our lives now where we've really figured out how to how to um, communicate with each other. Even though we've all, you know, it's my brother who I've known my entire life, and like uh-huh. Morgan is Theo's best friend from elementary school. Boner's one of mine from high school. It's yeah, like, we all know each other, but as soon as we're in a car together for a week, it's like. Um, we have to relearn each other's like language yeah. kind of thing. It's really strange, but like, there's just like little tiny things we've figured out to avoid anything going wrong. Like, uh-huh. just make sure we have coffee as soon as possible, uh-huh. as soon as possible. Because like, a, <laughs> most of the fights probably happened within either the the first two hours of the day or the last two hours of the day. Right, right. For <laughs> those reasons. Yeah. Uh huh. But you're you're making uh, you're making the, those two stove EPs, man. They're just they're so exploratory. There's oh, yeah. no restraint on any of them. I love the different sounds that come into it. I love the fact that each song you just have different levels going. Is there a change in in your writing, or is it your you know, taking pretty much the same bare bones structure into things and you're you're looking at different ways that you can kinda uh attack what you have. That's yeah, that's um <clears throat> those EPs in particular I'm like I really love for these reasons. So I think ninety percent of true and like ninety percent of favorite friend were all 
written and demoed around the same times. Like, oh, I did with my friend Alex Molini, and his, he w- was the bass player of Stove. And, like, yeah. we did them all in his, his room. And I think, for the most part, I would only come with just, like, the chord progression and the vocal melody and then like the drum beat and possibly other melodies and just kind of just would do that to the drum machine and then just tell Molini just to just do whatever you want over it really he uh-huh. honestly is like most of the layering and pro- I like it would mostly just be him like scrolling through like, different like sounds and things. We're like, what do you think about this? Do you like this? Yeah. And like sometimes uh-huh. I would care, and sometimes I'd just be like, just do whatever. Like I don't yeah. know, it just depends yeah. and stuff. And then like once we had like a chunk of 30, 40 songs, that's when we like started figuring out what. Some of it was very obvious what would be for Stove and what would be for Abla from the get go, but the, a lot we had to like. It took the layering to figure that out, kind of thing. Yeah. And then so those two EPs is just basically. That we either just liked enough that we didn't want to re-record again, or we felt like weren't like strong enough songs to be on either of those two records. But like, just ended up making those uh, feel a lot more special to me because they were like originally demos, but then later realized to be like, oh, this this is the song. Like, it doesn't need to be anything more than this. I don't know. It's, I think, one of the more exciting things about being able to follow somebody that you care about is uh to see them enjoy themselves in a different type of way and it's like you were always having fun you were always making jokes that like maybe only you and your friends understood right and then you get into songs like goose ghost and dumb phone where it's like this is the saddest shit that he's ever done (laughs) i'm sorry And (laughs) and then but then it's just like this oregon trail track is fucking so cool that's actually all Molini. yeah that, that's awesome you see, that's, i love that song yeah. yeah and it's like there's um i've been interested i think in in what has to me been a little bit of a of a pattern of the last few years of people just stopping with the types of restrictions that are generally Put upon what constitutes uh, a release or a band it's happening a lot in rap right now people are making 20 minute records totally. that are super strange and weird yeah and, um and ethereal and this was just to me was like oh man this is uh this is hitting on this is hitting on things and this is this is experimental and this is uh this is what this person and the, and the people around them want to make and that's exciting damn that rules thank you <laughs> um so so i guess you know you you, you put Avlov a little bit back together you figure out a way to to maintain it mm-hmm. um and stove there's never a thought that stove is something that you're gonna put back down and then go into Avlov and no it's yeah always think, two things yes yeah, st- well just like Given um, uh, Theo and Morgan have just been in Boston since they went to school there, so I really I do don't see them often unless like we there is a show or like holidays and things like that when we're mm-hmm. all in Connecticut and stuff. But yeah, Jordan lives very cl- close to me in Brooklyn, so like we can play whenever we can. Like, and it's just uh, it's easier to be active and consistent with Stove, just given they're closer yeah. and the people I see uh, more often anyhow. So, like. 
um, does it? I feel like there's also less restrictions with stove. Like we could release yeah. any song and it uh-huh. still wouldn't. But Avlov's a little more specific. So making true and making favorite friend. Um, you know, we talked about the second LP, the pressure, mm-hmm. the follow up. How how does it differ then when you have you have this band with uh, a little bit more name recognition, um, Avlov. Um, different expectations and then you have stove which has been uh very malleable very freewheeling yeah um how does how do making these two records differ in your head you were talking about it being an anxious time of putting it together and and trying not to worry too much about what people are expecting from these yeah see i think we i kind of shot myself in the foot for a lot lot of different reasons like in the as far as like the order of release and like things go like that with to be honest i feel like favored friend is kind of i feel like i tried harder with those songs in particular i feel like those are better written songs and we worked a little harder on it like Honestly, True was like, those were demos that we were just like, we we're going to re record, and we we're just like, oh, let's just use this. They sound fine enough. Like, it's, uh-huh. but like, Favorite Friend was maybe the hardest I've ever worked in any album at all. And then, I don't know, a lot of people were very adamant about us releasing True before Favorite Friend because it had been so long since an Avlov album and whatever, blah, 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 press stuff. And yeah, it's just kind of unfortunate because I felt like, whatever people wanted to hear the next album album, we're going to hear it and like by whatever means like, it didn't matter when or how, like, but the stove one kind of just like, we had the same press agent do press for the stove one. And he like quit his job halfway through and then just like, didn't even finish doing press for it. It just felt like everyone just kind of was just like, Oh, this is his side project. Like mm-hmm. we don't need to even like, I don't know. I fe- it felt way more important of an album to me, but like not to anyone <laughs> else. Seemingly, it was just yeah. like weird. Like, like the we didn't we we just got like two of the singles premiered on blogs that our friends write for anyway. Like, and mm-hmm. then like the album didn't ever stream or anything. It just felt like it just like almost didn't even like happen. Kind of thing. It was weird. Yeah. Like, and I really personally wish we did it the other way around because I feel like. I feel like if anyone were to listen to the two, they would at least like them equally. If not, I feel like would like the stove one a little more, if anything. I don't know. But that's just a pretty biased opinion, obviously. I, I can tell you that I like the stove one more. Thank you. Hell yeah. And I can also say that, like, favorite friend in terms of, uh, I guess, if if we're thinking about it all as, as Steve's music, favorite friend makes a lot of sense in the sequence of the way that you're writing things and true it almost feels like it's from a few years ago but it's kind of supplanted in and it has like a stove influence on it Mm -hmm. and i think that that would have made a lot more sense because when i heard true i was like i was like i was like the stove influences is apparent here and if it was the other way around, I think that that would have been a little bit less of uh, an adjustment. 
Yeah. You know, I think hearing true for the one of the things I do like about both of them is that AM and is stupider are so immediate. It's it's like you hear AM and if you're going to like it, you're you've liked it within the first 15 seconds of it. Yeah. And uh, and you know, you can add that to is you can say that for is stupider just add five seconds and then you just have you can just say the first song but like both of these have uh a real build they are both there it's like the opposite um sequencing wise where you're following in a very different way than you were initially Mm -hmm. and i love how like the thing that got me with favorite friend is that like the first, the last like four songs are all like last songs. They like, all just feel like the last song on the record. The <laughs> that became tricky, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, that's funny you say that because the fr- the last song was originally the first song, uh-huh. and I felt like that was a little too. I that's like if I were to put that album on for the first time, that's I don't think that's a good way to. That's not what I would want to hear. Like, well, it just it's, feels it's like, a little bit. It, to me, it's a little bit too much. Like what you did the first time, right? Exactly, and it, it, like, thank you. That's it's good to hear. It was a long debate, for, like, yeah. For where we were putting that song in particular, to me, it feels like a closing credits song. Like sure. it's not even yeah. the last song is the one before it, and that's just kind mm-hmm. of like the. You're ta- you're saying the same things about yourself, but on the first time, it's just like, here's a record about what a dummy I am, and then <laughs> this one is just like, I'm still kind of a dummy. <laughs> yeah, you like, know me. <laughs> But it's you but know, also my life isn't as bad as I thought. That's, <laughs> like, yeah, I and I think that that's something that you get from both of these mm-hmm. is there's there's so much narrative that goes into both of these bands and and hearing what you're able to do with you know putting one back together and then putting together to me a really really phenomenal uh, statement about about the one that it it still it does you know I didn't. This was a question that I wasn't sure if it was worth asking, but you kind of, you touched on it a lot. It's, it's like, this is still the bastard son of Avla mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. But it's your statatement. Yeah, I would feel like... Because the press... Stove for, is like the... Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but... Uh, yeah, it's also like a biblical reference. Like, Stove is like a prodigal son kind of thing, where I was like... Do you know that Bible story, the prodigal son? Uh, kind of. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, matter at all. Uh-huh, so uh-huh. I keep, yeah. I'm trying to convert you is why I'm here. Yes. <laughs> you didn't even have to tell me. Could have just. You, you already just said it fine the first backwards. time. I didn't have uh-huh. to like try and <laughs> say it again with a Bible twist. You are too obvious. Sometimes <laughs> you have to realize that you're saying what you need to say. It's, it's coming through. Uh, I appreciate it. But it's, you know, it is, it was interesting to see that like, you know, the fanfare for true was, was there. And for favorite friend, it, it was, it just didn't seem like it capitalized in the same way that it, that it could have. Yeah. I, I agree. And I really think it was just the order of like, if we had just switched them around or maybe a little further apart or something, I don't know. It was just, both the albums were recorded at the same time, and both were supposed to be released much soon after, but things happened between both bands that just delayed it for much longer than we wished. And then 
things also worked themselves out with between both bands at the same time. So it was just like, all right, now which one do we do first? And if there, unfortunately more up to the label than it was us. <laughs> so. If there's anything that like that ties it all together, it's probably that. Yeah, absolutely. you have you have the the most unique uh, musical trajectory of anybody I think who's been on this show. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> um, do you? I know that you're. I know that this is one that you're, that you're, it's, it's still a little bit raw for you right now. Um, but I guess when you're, when you're looking back, um, do you, do you look back on it and, and think like, uh, man, if we, if we didn't break up like three times, uh, and tell people that we were broken up like three times, things might be a little bit different. Oh, absolutely. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that different would be better or worse is the thing. You know what I mean? Like, like, uh, yeah, it certainly became a bit of a boy who cried wolf, you know, <laughs> things sure. like that. And then like, uh, I mean, it happened so many times that it also eventually became funny. <laughs> so, uh, so, like, I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of pros and cons to it all. Like, I think it's ultimately better that that we stopped every time we did because, like, to for me to do something to force something like a band, it, like uh, to or any or any form of art to do when you're not wanting to do it, it just seems so ridiculous. It's yeah. like, that seems like the whole point of art is to, uh, because it's something you want to do. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. So, uh, and I feel weird calling, I don't know. Don't even say it. <laughs> right, don't fine. even say it. <laughs> well, I, you know what I mean. My favorite band is the replacement. how much we're like matching. I know. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, I'm looking in the mirror right Gray now. Gray ass, <laughs> black shirts with, with light blue and white. Round glasses and a beard. I think that there's something um, something that is very, very relatable to... Hi, Chloe. <laughs> there's something that's very relatable to self-effacement because I think everybody feels it in a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And to see it in a, in a performer, it's something that you feel like you're, you're not supposed to see. And somebody's giving you a... a a part of their person that uh that not everybody is willing to give right and i think that that is that's why people care the way that they do uh, on top of a lot of other things but um you can you can go ahead and and tell people that what you make is is important to you and it's and it's art and it's passion yeah i mean it's yeah, it's it's purely expression, and like it shouldn't. I don't know. You shouldn't uh, say something you're not feeling, so you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I don't know. It's it's. It, it, yeah, could if things could have gotten a lot worse uh, as far as like our relationships had gone. Like if we hadn't broken up when we did and things, and like certain point, like yeah, when we broke up was more just me feeling like I. I need to at least just step away from this, and if it, uh, this making it a very certain thing helped me decide how I truly felt about it all. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's kind of like yeah, you don't know, don't know what you got till it's gone. Like that great radio song. You don't know what you got till till it's gone, but you also like you don't really know how 
you feel about something until you actually step out of it. Exactly. It's like you're not going to know until you don't have that thing to fall back on. Right. Yeah. Like, that's all really I have to say about that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's good that you're, it's good that you're doing it. It's good that you're doing it in the forms that you are doing it. I'm glad that you've found, um, you know, different spaces for, for different things in different parts mm. of you. I do hope that, that you continue both of them and maybe more. Yeah. I mean, I feel like this is, this, yeah, it's kind of the perfect scenario. Like, Avlov is like the culmination of like all my favorite styles of music just rolled into one and then like stove can just do any anything with it kind of feels like so it's like really unless I want to like start a black metal band or something like I don't need yeah like if I've got it all between the two for me at least I don't know you could do that too it's good cool. <laughs> honestly yeah Jordan already does blast beats in like two of our songs yeah at least. I love <laughs> like, it um dude it's so great having you over hell Thank yeah you. Les is really uh Really a treat. Good. Good to hear. My friggin' dude. It was a long time coming having Steve over here to talk. I suppose the afterglow of it has brought me back to thinking about hearing Avlov for the first time and having such an immediate reaction to it and feeling like this is what I've wanted to hear and everything that has followed has not only made me feel the same way, but it's also been continuously ahead of the curve. Stove and Avlov Records are going to be the ones they talk about when they look back at this stretch of time in guitar music. I believe that with every fiber of my being, and I believe that's because these records are so unique and they're so personal, and I appreciated being able to be on a side of a conversation with someone who thinks about their art, who cares about it, but struggles with what that care represents. It's an important balance. I think for Steve, he has a lot to be proud of. I was so happy to not just have him over here to interview him, but to get to spend time with him. He's a wonderful presence. This was a really nice way to end this year. Big thanks to Steve for coming by. Check out Stove online, stovesbandcamp.bandcamp.com. Everything he touches is beautiful. Avlov is avlov.bandcamp.com. You can find it all from our friends at Exploding in Sound, explodingandsoundrecords.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, rate it, write a review, tell a friend. We're on Bandcamp, betteryetpodcast.bandcamp.com. The website is betteryetpod.com. We will be keeping busy over the holiday on Patreon, patreon.com slash betteryetpodcast. Some extra audio content, Chloe, postcards, coffee, help support the show over there on Patreon. And thank you so much. Thanks to Steve. Thank you, Chloe and Lily. Thank you, Jay. Thanks to James Goodson and Alec Cakebread. Thank you all for a wonderful year. 
one more from Pete. We will see you in 2019. Thanks, folks.